You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. AlabamaAthleticsTide100.9FMTravisRyerSeniorAnalystForBamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Man, we got Halloween. Halloween right around the corner. They can take care of you. You know, when I think Halloween... In the olden days, okay, in my day, those uh, caramel apples, man, it seemed like the fair always coincided, maybe at a fall carnival, something like that, always coincided with Halloween season, and we would get those caramel apples. Well, they got those for you at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Granny Smith full-sized apples coated in homemade caramel. And then they take those babies and they dunk them in that outstanding Peterbrook chocolate, whether it's the white chocolate, the dark chocolate, the milk chocolate, you name it. And they can uh, adorn them with maybe some graham cracker crust, maybe some, I don't know, pecans on the exterior there, drizzle a little chocolate on the outer layer. Oof, you ready for one just yet? Peterbrook chocolatier. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program, as always, by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Mr. Joe Gaither, who together we combine to form the 60-minute band Woo! Sports Talk Radio. Joe, how you doing on this Tuesday morning? I'm doing fabulous today, Travis. Just hanging out on a Tuesday, making a little radio, getting ready for Saturday. Never too early to get ready for that first weekend of Southeastern Conference football for the 2020 season. It just feels right, doesn't it? Look, I'm not saying we should push the season back every year, but going out on that morning walk on the first day of fall 2020, it feels like we should have Southeastern Conference football this weekend, doesn't it? Felt great out there on the back deck last night, Joe Gaither. I took eight chicken thighs and two chicken breasts, and I put them on that smoker yesterday afternoon. And look, I'm not going to tell you that Archibald's or Dreamland or Who's or any of these other great barbecue establishments we have in the Tuscaloosa area are going to come calling on me to serve as a pit master anytime soon, but they were pretty good. They were pretty good. The only problem with the chicken was... I had eight thighs and two breasts. It should just be 10 thighs. You know, you don't need chicken breast. You know, that dark meat, those thighs, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. They came out pretty nice. I did cheat on the sides, though. Speaking of who's unsolicited recommendation here, Brad and those folks are outstanding. But love the coleslaw. Not sure exactly what they do with it there at who's. But great coleslaw, great baked beans. So uh, we shipped in some of those to go with the chicken. It made for it made for a nice Monday evening, which transitioned into Monday night football, which, as we know, 
You had Alabama involvement out there in Vegas last night. Josh Jacobs, workhorse-like performance last night for Josh Jacobs, starting running back for the Las Vegas Raiders. As they get it done against Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints, is it too early, Joe Gaither, to assign the washed label to Drew Brees? Because Drew hadn't looked like Drew so much these first couple of weeks. I certainly thought he looked uh, pretty suspect last night. What was he under five yards per attempt? Uh, missing, yeah. missing out on some yeah. Michael Thomas yesterday. You know, when you see Drew Brees missing wide open tight ends on shallow crosses, that gets your attention, right? Because even at a height deficit that he's worked at, even in throws in the middle of the field and in traffic. You expect Drew Brees to hit the easy throws. You expect Drew Brees to hit the tough throws, the corner routes, the deep seam routes. And I understand Mike Thomas, yeah, not a part of that mix last night. But still, it looks laborious. It always has looked so easy for Drew Brees. You know what I mean? It looks like he's having to work to to complete some of these throws. Just odd. I'm not going to say Blake Bortles-esque. We're not to that point yet. By the way, Blake Bortles, I see here, signs with the Denver Broncos after the injury to Drew Locke and that shoulder. Blake, you know, these quarterbacks, man, they just keep hanging around, don't they? 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you would like to check in with us on a Tuesday morning, you are more than welcome to do so. It was a depth chart Monday, virtually. That's the first time I can recall where you're not there. You're not able to physically take receipt of that precious, coveted Alabama depth chart. But it was distributed nonetheless. We'll get into some thoughts on the depth chart. Talked with Gary Harris about it in the previous half hour on the Gary Harris show. Kind of like everybody else. You know, I was interested to see where some of these freshmen, that's really the case every year. Everybody wants to know where the newcomers are at on the depth chart. And it showed up on the defensive side of the football, as we expected, between the attrition in the secondary for this Alabama football team, between the need for some punch in the pass rush where the edge is concerned, and the work that Alabama was able to do during the 2020 cycle at that outside linebacker spot. No big surprise to see Drew Sanders and Will Anderson prominently listed but that's the first time in the Nick Saban era that you've seen a true freshman in a standalone role at outside linebackers first I can recall I can't recall another in Nick Saban's 13 previous seasons on the job where you had a true freshman outside linebacker going into game week as the dude at outside backer again part of that speaks to opportunity Terrell Lewis, Anthony Jennings, moving on to the National Football League. But Will Anderson is that dude. I think even if you had one or both of Lewis and Jennings back, you would still see Will Anderson this season as a situational guy. Without those guys, he has the very real opportunity to become more of an every-down guy, which you just don't see in true freshman. More so because of first down. You know, so many of these guys come into the program and the number one priority when you recruit these edge guys is pass rush. Well, a lot of them are doing it on the high school level at what, 210, 215 pounds. You know, you show up in the SEC at 210, 215 at outside linebacker. You know what opposing offensive coordinators are going to do? They're going to line up and run it right down your throat. Because you're not physically to a point where you can set an edge against an SEC tight end, let alone an SEC offensive tackle. So Will Anderson, though, at about 240, you go back and you watch his high school tape. This is a guy that physically is advanced. But as much as anything from watching him in high school, what stood out to me was his ability to play with his hands uh, polish, whether that's natural, whether it was coaching he received, maybe a combination of both. 
uh, he's further along. He's further along. There's no doubt about it. That star position, you're talking about Malachi Moore coming up over from Hewitt Trustful. I've talked about that before. What you like about Malachi Moore is that he has the background that certainly lends itself to playing the star position. You need to be a little bit of a safety. You need to be a little bit of a corner. Malachi Moore at the high school level was a corner, was a safety. Skill set fits very nicely. Brian Branch, another true freshman, expected to be a part of that mix as well. So mostly that's where my eyes went yesterday when that depth chart was released right after we went off the air here. We'll get into some other thoughts. You know, maybe some thoughts that aren't as apparent. You know, when you look at the offensive line, you think about the interior trio and how that was going to play out because you assumed that Evan Neal was going to go from left guard to right tackle to replace Jedrick Wills. That's exactly what has happened. Looks like Emil Echior getting first crack there at right guard. Deontay Brown flipping back over to left guard after playing right guard last year. And it looks like Landon Dickerson, at least for the time being, going to hang in there at center. Now, Chris Owens could impact that. Feel good enough about Chris Owens at center, then Landon Dickerson goes to right guard, you would think. But you're fine on the interior. Where you have concerns is depth at tackle, although I don't think the depth concerns at tackle are as considerable as what maybe the depth chart showed you yesterday. You know, the depth chart yesterday, you saw some guys that have played a lot of tackle listed as reserve guards. Uh, But I still think in terms of contingency plans and when you consider stylistically what this Alabama team might look like on offense for this season, I think you can withstand an injury or an absence at offensive tackle. Now, look, you don't want to lose both those guys because if something happens to Alex Leatherwood, Evan Neal's going to go over to left tackle. And then at right tackle, you know, you're going to go with one of these program vets in all likelihood. You're going to Alfred McCullough it up. If you've been around for a little while, you know what I'm talking about. Back in the day, 2011 or so, Alfred McCullough, he was that guy, man. Use him at guard, use him at tackle. And I think with the way Alabama's going to play on offense this year, you're, you're, you're set up in a way in which you can deal with that a little bit better. Again, you don't need to lose both. But unlike 2018, 2019 with Tua and the wide receivers and you're kind of spreading it out more, and it was critical to have two future NFL offensive tackles protecting that guy to do everything you wanted to do in the passing game. You know, I don't think you're going to necessarily be as quarterback centric this year. I think you're going to be a little more offensive line, running back centric, run game centric. Not going to revert back to 2011, but that's the example I use in sort of illustrating how it's a little bit more, little bit more sustainable, this offense, if you have an injury at, say, one of those offensive tackle spots. We're going to step aside to our first break. When we come back, we're going to go around the Southeastern Conference with our good friend Brent Beard. College Sports Today and First Coast News. We'll ask Brent uh, about his picks for most competitive game for the upcoming weekend. Is there a chance that Missouri keeps this game with Alabama within the 27-point spread that it's now listed at out there in Las Vegas? Well, also later in the program, we'll check in with Rusty. Rusty has offered up his SEC home underdogs for the upcoming weekend. Yeah, Rusty, we're saving you. We're saving you. We're putting you in that pop slot later in the show. We'll do that with Rusty later in the show. But first, Brent Beard coming up next on a Tuesday edition. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama athletics. 
Hello, everybody. I'm Chris Stewart filling in for Roger Hoover this week. Alabama and Missouri kicking off Saturday night at 6.30 on ESPN from Columbia. Head coach Nick Saban is ready to get his 14th season with Alabama underway. Been a, a while coming, uh, but every team now has the opportunity. Our team has an opportunity to sort of create an identity of you know who this team wants to be. Uh, I think that identity gets created by you know the standard of effort, the standard of toughness, the, the discipline to execute uh, and do it on a consistent basis and. Um, you know, I'm very proud of the way our team has sort of managed some of the uncertainties leading up to this season. Um, but, you know, we're obviously excited about having the opportunity uh, to play against, against a very good Missouri team. I'll have more in a moment. You hear a lot today about the Bama factor. Well, what exactly is it? It's a saying that Coach Saban uses constantly. It's actually what the program is built on. Commitment, discipline, effort, toughness, and pride. Well, at Dex Imaging, we believe in these same principles. To be the very best we can be, day in and day out. So for all of your business office solutions, put Dex Imaging to work for you. Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider of Alabama Athletics. Again, kickoff time on Saturday from Columbia is set for 6 o'clock Central. ESPN will be televising the matchup, and we'll have all the radio coverage on the Crimson Tide Sports Network beginning at 3. That's your M update. Crimson Tide Today, brought to you by Dex Imaging, is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. The sky becoming mostly cloudy across West Alabama this afternoon and tonight. The high today, 77. Tonight's low, 72. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy. A chance of rain by afternoon. Rain more likely tomorrow night. The high, 74. Thursday, rain much of the day. The high, 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Pride Sports right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tied 100.9 FM, Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. And as we typically do on Tuesdays at this time, we head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line where a great friend, Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News is with us. Brent, it seems like we've already had about half of a college football season here (laughs) in the month of September, at least a full month of college football to this point. But it gets real this weekend. When we tour the Southeastern Conference, we can really get back to doing that. Week one of the SEC in 2020, Brent. How does that sound to you? I'll tell you what, it's amazing uh, that, that we're here. Now, now, I'll be honest with you, I've enjoyed watching a lot of these non-Power Fives that we uh, probably normally wouldn't see. But, yes, it's time to get into some SEC action and try finally maybe get some of these questions answered, i.e. maybe who the quarterback at Georgia is going to be and, uh, and, some, and some others like that to find out what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I was talking with Charlie Potter, my colleague there at BamaOnline.com on our most recent podcast uh, on the website about how significant just pregame warm-ups are going to be <laughs> really? this week. Just in terms of taking role of who right. traveled or who's actually available to play, some com- uh, some position competitions uh, that have taken place throughout the preseason. You know, from a media coverage standpoint, because of how those folks, we are going to be still sectioned off from coaches, players, in terms of that traditional interaction uh, after games. You know, with press conferences still remaining virtual and Zoom being the primary connection between media and players and coaches, even after these games coming up, the real value in covering games in person is going to be pregame warmups, just to yeah. figure out who's who's playing and where they're playing. Uh, well, and for in Trav, for instance, uh, for someone like for, for someone like Missouri, uh, in that they've got. 
um, at, at point we hear at least what uh, a dozen players who may not play. Uh, I mean, Trav, just to have a Missouri roster and be able to look at something like that will be invaluable, would it? <laughs> yeah, we talked with Dave Matter, the outstanding beat reporter for the Missouri Tigers on the program yesterday. Of course, Dave of the St. Louis uh, Post Dispatch, and uh, he's he's like the rest of us. He's waiting to hear from Aliyah Drinkwitz this afternoon. Yeah, you know, just to see where that roster's at. You said it with the twelve guys. We know that Missouri's going to be short on Saturday night, but what's come from testing from over the weekend, or as you move into the midweek here for that team, it's sort of tenuous with the Missouri Tigers, but. We look at the slate of games for this Saturday, and really it's pretty attractive, Brent, when you yeah. talk about the 11 a.m. Central games, and then you have a trio of 6.30 kickoffs in the evening to sort of cap things, and right there in the middle, not bad with a Mississippi State at LSU sub, or I guess in this case we could call it a po' boy, maybe down there in Baton Rouge. <laughs> the uh, unusual amount of uh, 11 o'clock games – uh, so uh, to get started right off the bat, I, I think it's going to be fun. I mean, uh, as you can imagine, there's a lot of interest down here for uh, travel that Florida at Ole Miss game have really no idea what we're going to get from Ole Miss. We think we know what we're going to get from Florida, uh, in that game. I've talked to, uh, some, uh, some Tennessee and South Carolina folks, uh, who, who have said that when that game comes around on Saturday that that could be a tone setter, frankly, uh, for uh, uh, easily for the winner of that game. So, so listen, that I know it won't be the uh, uh, probably the top 25 matchup type thing that we'll get in week two, uh, but there are plenty of questions in week one to get everybody very interested. Sort of like a golf tournament, the start of one this week in that, you're not going to win a division title in the SEC this weekend, but if you're not careful and you're one of these big favorites, you could lose one. Oh, you, know, yeah. you, you have a misstep uh, in one of these games in which really there's uh, pretty heavy favorites across the board, although Auburn lane just now, I think it's seven and a half against Kentucky down on the Plains. And you mentioned that Tennessee-South Carolina game. The ball's a three-and-a-half point. Uh, road favorite there at williams Bryce Stadium. But let me ask you this. You've got debuts in the Magnolia State, highly anticipated. Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss opening up in Oxford against the Florida Gators. Dan Mullen back in Mississippi. Uh, not quite the Egg Bowl, but uh, we'll take it on Saturday. And then you have, of course, Mike Leach and Mississippi State traveling to an LSU team heavily, heavily hit by attrition as we've talked about many times here before if i asked you brent of those two most likely to pull off an upset in their debuts on saturday which way would you go lane kiffin or mike leach uh i would probably go with mike leach um simply because uh you've got we we don't know what we've got with lsu do we trav I, i mean the reality is um, I mean, we are hearing a lot about uh, some of their players who are coming in that are uh, that that we hear are going to be unbelievable. Uh, Eric Gilbert, uh, I know Alabama was on, yeah. on that tight end uh, recruitment uh, with him. There, Jabril Cox, who you and I talked about a few weeks ago that All-American linebacker from North Dakota State. And Trav O said a, a few days ago that this defense with Bo Pelini could be better than last year. Uh, I, I'll, I'll kind of have to see that to believe it, I guess, with all the uh, all the losses here. Uh, but it, it, isn't that one of the more intriguing games on both sides of the ball with, with such a mystery at Mississippi State? And, and to me, Trav, with that depth chart at LSU, uh, with all those black marks being in there, uh, where, where those starters are, go- are going to be, uh, listen, there there's many questions in Baton Rouge as are in Starkville. Yeah, as much as it's hard for me to buy that statement by O in terms of this defense being better than last year's uh, from just a personnel perspective, 
I, I can't buy it where you consider Bo Pelini compared to, say, Dave Aranda right. as right. a coordinator. Uh, Aranda, I can pretty well feel confident in stating when it comes to just in-game adjustments, mm-hmm. uh, vastly superior from yeah. what I can recall to Bo Pelini. So there's a lot you're right to consider there. I think 19 and a half points is a bit much. But we've also got to remember that this Mississippi State team in year one under Mike Leach, especially on the defensive side of the ball, isn't going to resemble anything we've seen from Mississippi State even in the last three or four years, certainly not from a couple years ago when you had that very talented group with multiple first-round picks. So, yeah, I could see that being a very uh, competitive game, more competitive at least than what – uh, the, 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 the odds makers tend to think at this point. So you're going to go with Leach there over Lane Kiffin. When you look at Ole Miss in this matchup with Florida, and you understand as well as anyone what Dan Mullen has to work with in year three down there in Gainesville, what's the biggest problem for Ole Miss in this game? Uh, well, I, I'll go the same thing as uh, Mississippi State. It, it, to me, it's got to be defense. Uh, and, and knowing what they've got, I think offensively, and by the way, what, for what we're hearing now, Matt Corral is number one on the depth chart. I, I'm, I'm curious about surprises you a little bit. Um, but again, Lane kind of likes these drop back guys sometimes a little bit more, although we did great, great work with Blake Sims. Uh, but I, I've just still, Travis, got way, way too many questions. Now, DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge are co-defensive coordinators at Ole Miss, uh, and they've got some some decent talent like John Haynes. They've got Sam Williams, uh, if he's out of trouble uh, at this point. But uh, that that will be my, my thing is, because I think this Florida offense – if they can run the ball better in the, in the in the offensive line, got three starters back, and the Reese kid that comes from Mississippi State uh, from last year. So uh, I that, that would be my biggest question uh, at this point for Lane and Ole Miss uh, would be, can they stop Florida? I think they may be able to keep up with them for a little bit, but, but, but doesn't that uh, it, it, at some point – uh, when your defense is on the field the whole game, that's a problem. So many quarterbacks around the league kind of cutting their teeth this week as new starters. Now, Mac Jones, we saw start four games here at Alabama. So that's not an entirely new scenario there for the Crimson Tide on the offensive side of the ball. But who do you think the most pressure is on with these new starting quarterbacks? Is it Miles Brennan at LSU? Felipe Franks at Arkansas. I guess DeWan Mathis is going to be the guy yeah. at Georgia, right? Yeah. Um, perhaps Sean Robinson stepping in there at Missouri, as a lot of people are expecting against Alabama Saturday night. Uh, and, and what about your thoughts on the situation at South Carolina with Mike Bobo apparently just bringing his quarterback with him yeah. from Colorado yeah. State? I, I, I think what gets my attention to that. And you and I have seen this before. Uh, it, it is the fact of with Bobo there is, and this is parallel to me with Chad Morris and Gus Malzahn, but Colin Hill, who's a grad transfer from Colorado State, beating out Helensky to me is certainly a bit of a surprise. But, but Trav, my, my question here out loud is, does this mean at least for for the moment that that Will is trusting Bobo and his quarterback to get it done? And uh, Trev, the bigger question is, and this same this question also goes to uh, uh, also to Gus and Chad Morris. How long a leash will both those coaches have on their offensive coordinators? You know what it smells like. It kind of smells like Georgia 2015. Mm-hmm. Remember that situation? Didn't really have the quarterback situation right. figured out. Um, went with more of a veteran 
Alabama goes in there and drills Georgia yeah. after losing to Ole Miss at home. That really sent Alabama on its way to a national championship five years ago. That's the feeling I get. And, yes, I do get the sense that maybe this is Will Muschamp saying, I got to get it done this year. Right. And I'm going to go with a, an experienced veteran-type guy with an offensive coordinator I trust extensively in Mike Bobo. Uh, but you wonder what that does for Holinsky. I would think – here's the thing with Holinsky – I thought it was a little too much too soon. He got off to the nice start a he year did. ago, mm-hmm. and then he had some injury issues, did some decent things against Alabama in Columbia. Um, but, you know, it, it, it didn't really materialize from there. So I guess in some ways not a, not a huge surprise. If I had told you a year ago at this time, Brent Beard, that Felipe Franks would start <laughs> against the Georgia Bulldogs in 2020 – but it wouldn't be for the Florida Gators. Really? Would you have believed me? Because it looks like that's going to be the case, I guess, with Arkansas and Georgia on Saturday afternoon. Well, I would have believed you simply because as inconsistent as Franks is. Uh, and again, Frank Franks is a real specimen. I mean, if you're standing there and, and as far as running, jumping, and throwing, uh, it, it, Franks would get your attention. The problem with Franks is – uh, is a fact of uh, he he doesn't make great decisions, and I think he's getting better with that. When he was at Florida, Trav, he had wide open receivers. He just wouldn't pull the trigger. So I, I think we'll see that happen with with Arkansas. My my question with Franks more at Arkansas is, and I've got some faith in Sam Pittman as an offensive line coach in the past. Is uh, will Will Arkansas have the offensive line trap to protect him, uh, particularly against that Georgia defense? Yeah, you're going to have to be able to run Raheem Boyd somehow, yeah, some way, no and that no that's going to be that's going to be tough against that Georgia front seven. Now, Georgia's still got a lot to prove from a pass rush standpoint. We've continuously heard about these five star edge defenders and defensive front uh, personnel people that. Kirby Smart has brought in there and really transitioned or translated to a dominant pass rush. So I'll be interested to see if Boyd can't really get it going on the ground as one of the SEC's top returning backs. And it's put more on Felipe Franks and that passing game. Uh, Can they protect? Can they protect Felipe Franks? Can Georgia uh, get to the quarterback? Uh, Conversely, what about Alabama? That line now is up to 27 points. There in Columbia, Missouri. And look, we understand, as we talked about earlier in the segment, you've got so much uncertainty with this Missouri team right now, and just in terms of its roster and availability where players are concerned. Um, what do you think of that? You, you, you think this is a game that, that Alabama controls from the outset? You know, you look at Missouri, that front seven, I think is built in a way, at least for a while Saturday night, can hang in with yeah. Alabama's run game. Uh, secondary, I think you got some concerns back there if you're Missouri. Offensively, Missouri with a couple of really good backs and Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty, uh, but then an offensive line uh, that certainly has some question marks, not to mention the quarterback situation. So what do you see for the Alabama Crimson Tide Saturday night in Columbia? I, I think if they don't make mistakes, that they will control this game from the outset. And, and uh, frankly, Travis, I, I think they'll win this game more than the spread at this point. Uh, I mean, I, I'll be very interested to see Sean Robinson, the TCU transfer. Uh, probably won't be surprised if Drinkwitz goes with uh, more than just Robinson uh, to, to kind of get it going. Now, what we are not sure about is the Virginia Tech transfer and Damon Hazelton, and you may have heard more about that as far as if he's on the field, he's got to be accounted for, uh, but, but I know there's some questions about that. Uh, Kiki Chisholm is another guy that I think they like. Their strength, and you hit on it a minute ago, frankly, is their running game. And, Trav, I think Roundtree, frankly, is a very unheralded guy that that does a lot of good 
uh, for them and, frankly, is pretty dangerous. Uh, but uh, I can tell you this, I, I, and I think Drinkwitz will eventually do a pretty good job there, but I think he probably also knows, uh, and I won't be surprised if he if he holds a few of these guys out, uh, particularly if it gets away with him early in the first quarter and beginning of the second, uh, in in order to do more as the season goes along. So uh, I I think Bama wins this game big if if they if if they hang on to the ball and don't make mistakes early. Yeah, I think the running back linebacker matchups are where it's at in this yes. game because of yeah. Roundtree and Beatty. And then you look at Alabama with Dylan Moses and Christian Harris at those inside linebackers. On the other side, Nick Bolton uh, at the weak side spot for Missouri. Uh, you know, first team All SEC selection a year ago. Devin Nicholson, a really solid young middle linebacker for the Tigers. And then you're going to have Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, and then some intrigue about who that third guy might be sure. for Alabama. Uh, the expectation has been that it would be Trey Sanders coming off the injury, going to, to his second year in the program. Uh, but they've got some talented young guys in Jace McClellan, Roydell Williams, uh, to go along with that as well. Hey, Brent, uh, when we consider uh, the, the most competitive game in the league this weekend, and again, according to point spreads, that would point you more towards Kentucky and Auburn right, right. early. Uh, maybe Tennessee, South Carolina, late. Uh, what do you think? Wh- which of these games do you expect to be the most competitive contest of the bunch? Uh, I think it may be Auburn, Kentucky. Uh, Larry Vaught, who has covered Kentucky for a long time, Trav, uh, is, has told us, uh, and this is a mouthful, that, A, this is the deepest Kentucky team he's ever seen, and B, it's the best line of scrimmage they've ever had. So and now Kentucky doesn't have a great record at Auburn, but but the the magic that Auburn has in a full stadium will not be in effect uh, in, in this game. And, and Trav, the Auburn beat writers uh, have also told us that they're very concerned about the Auburn offensive line. Uh, that they think. Kevin Steele can cobble together a pretty good defensive line with Big Cat and guys like that, but uh, but that the Auburn secondary and the uh, uh, in particularly that offensive line is probably going to make this a very interesting game. And, and something you touched on early on, Trav. To me, the danger in this game for Auburn is if they lose this game they likely start 0-2 by going to Athens the following week. Yeah. Again, this this is good. This one has the feel of a retro kind of game. Line of scrimmage game. Yes. Not yes. sure the winner scores more than 24. Right. Um, and for Kentucky, we talk about the quarterback situation in the league. I guess Terry Wilson uh, coming off his injury going to be a big part of this and exactly where he's at in coming back from that. Uh, well, uh, there's a question about that, and he's healthy and going. The other intrigue about this game, uh, and, and we, we know the answer to this is, is because there's no answer, is would Joey Gatewood uh, yeah. uh, be eligible to play in the game? Obviously, the guy who played at Auburn. Now, now look, Joey Gatewood is not Cam Newton, but at 6'4", 240, I mean, what do you do at this point, Trav? I mean, you, you could certainly, if he's eligible, I mean, you can see him in a little little bit of a package uh, type thing, I think, on third or fourth and short or something of that of that nature. And, and listen, uh, I, they don't get enough credit, frankly, but uh, Smoke and Rose is running backs for Kentucky. That, that's a pretty good pair, is it not? I'll give you an X factor in this game. It's the punter for Kentucky. Right. Max Duffy. Yeah. Great guy award winner. Good. These good damn point. Australians. They take <laughs> over the punting gigs. They've come in and they've totally overtaken the punting gigs they in have, American have. collegiate football. That's but right. seriously, Max Duffy is a guy in a game that we're talking about here that could be more low scoring field position type yeah. battle. This is a guy that could be huge on Saturday for the Kentucky Wildcats. I know 
I know you laugh. You laugh about the specialists, but we're going to throw them out there. Hey, Brent. I'll just say this. If Auburn's offensive line is struggling, Trav, and they can't move the ball, that could be uh, uh, a major uh, difference in the game, could it not? Absolutely. Hey, Brent, as we let you go here, you know, we talk so much about opt-outs and attrition and more so in relation to LSU. But, boy, Texas A&M, it's sort of been low-key. I don't think low-key out there in the state of Texas, but Jimbo's taking some pretty big hits here. They've been spaced out a little bit, not just in terms of opt-outs. Had a big injury at the tight end position a couple weeks ago with Baylor Cup, uh, one of the, the top tight end prospects for the 2019 recruiting cycle, if not the top guy now. Two straight seasons, he's had injuries that have sidelined him. Still have Weidermeyer, a very good player at the position, but uh, a defensive hit for the Aggies yeah. here in the last week or so to go along with Jamon Osmond at wide receiver before that. Uh, Bobby Brown, a junior defensive tackle, is opting out, uh, and, and and he was a starter. Uh, and look, they, they don't give these junior defensive tackles away uh, Trav, do they? So uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think that's a a uh, a real problem uh, for them uh, with that. So uh, it, the um, uh, but but the uh, uh, but the Hines kid yeah. uh, is the one that we're looking at. I, I mentioned Brown uh, earlier. I meant to say Hines, but um, right. Uh, but but listen, that is a that is a big loss for them. And 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 Trav, look, I I would I would say. Osborne, uh, frankly, if you lined up for anybody of the top five receivers in the league, I think he's in that top five, is he not? I would consider him for it. My thing with Osborne is, in terms of looking ahead to the NFL, I don't see him as a number one receiver yeah. in the National Football League. I see Jamon Osborne along the lines of, say, a DJ Hall from years ago here at Alabama at the college level, he's a number one type in the SEC. Uh, but is he a Jerry Judy? Is he a Henry Ruggs III? Is he a Devontae Smith or a Jalen Waddle? I don't see him like that. But in terms of the impact it has on this A&M team, because of what else Jimbo has to work with at yeah, that spot, right. yes, absolutely. And, you know, you had the chemistry you had invested all this time into Kellen Mond coming back as essentially a fourth-year starter. Osmond had been around for much of that. Now, that's part of the passing game you lose as well. And uh, from that perspective, absolutely some big hits for the Texas A&M Aggies here in the last three or four weeks. Hey, Brent, as always, great stuff. Look forward to the weekend. Look forward to talking about it next week when you join us again on the program. Can't wait, bud. Take care. There he goes, Brett Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. Going to step aside for a break. We come back, more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right here on side 100.9 FM right after this. Attention. Sky becoming mostly cloudy across West Alabama this afternoon and tonight. The high today 77, tonight's low 72. Tomorrow mostly cloudy, a chance of rain by afternoon. Rain more likely tomorrow night, the high 74. Thursday, rain much of the day, the high 75. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. COVID-19 four-league clover for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish today. Pete Dammel, 
of YahooSports.com reporting that Notre Dame will not practice today following reports of four positive COVID-19 tests for the Notre Dame football team. Notre Dame set to travel to Wake Forest this weekend. We'll see how that goes. And speaking of Irish, let's go up to Boston right now, where I believe we have Tom waiting on the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Tom, you with us on this Tuesday morning? You got it, Travis. Thanks for taking my call. I have to tell you, I heard you say the other day that you were considering hanging up your cleats. And uh, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, you got the best hour in sports radio that's ever existed. So oh, please wow. don't do that. It's the well, best, glad that, you know, it's better than anything else that's out there. So. Well, I uh, appreciate that, and I'm also glad that check cleared. I was worried about it, Tom. I didn't see it. So, uh, but no, in all seriousness, we, we appreciate it. Oh, we, we love doing it. It's uh, It's been a blast. We appreciate the station uh, having us on for four-plus years now, and no, we're, we're not planning to go anywhere anytime soon. What? The reason I'm calling, in addition to that, is you know not only to tell you that that you got the best hour and and it's and it's fantastic with pops and southern rock and you know rusty <laughs> and and all the all the great stuff you guys do, um, but I'm having an existential crisis here, and the problem is I'm a huge Alabama fan, graduated from Alabama, dad played at Alabama. And I live here in Boston, and so I'm also a Patriots fan. And what am I supposed to do with Cam? You know, if you're a hardcore Patriots fan, you got to embrace the Cam. I think that's what yeah, you got to do. You know, I think so. But you know, he he just ripped my heart out when he was at Auburn, and, and I, you know, it makes here's me the thing. Here's the thing about that, Tom. Alabama wasn't going anywhere that year. I, look, I know the manner in which that loss went down here in Tuscaloosa was absolutely gut-wrenching. But, you know, that was an Alabama team whose destiny had pretty much been determined. Wasn't going to win a national championship. Wasn't going to win a, a Southeastern Conference championship. But I hear you on that. But, I mean, look, what's your alternative? I guess you would you be okay with Jared Stidham? Another oh, Auburn right. guy being the starter for the Patriots because you know he got a W against Alabama down on the Plains in 2017. That's what that's what my problem is. The backup <laughs> is also an Auburn I mean, I have Booger Eater one and Booger Eater two. <laughs> You're in a tough spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my other question, and, and then I'll I'll let you go. Is if you if if with this unbelievable monstrosity of an offensive line and Najee Harris and this slew of backs. If we get back to running the ball, do you think the defense will look like the defense of old? Do you think our defense will get back to, to sort of an Alabama defense where we have ball control and, and the defense is crushing people? It can't hurt, right? I mean, if you're able to control games and more so as much when you have a lead in the second half uh, and, and condense these games like you've seen Alabama do in the past, it's it's got to help. I, I think what's going to help Alabama, too, is a front seven that at least first and foremost is going to be able to do a better job against the run with the experience that you have on that defensive line now. Dylan coming back from the injury. Christian Harris ought to be very good depth at inside linebacker. Yeah, pass rush on the outside, you're going to wonder about a little bit until you see a guy like Will Anderson actually do it. Back into the defense, you worry about the, those situations a little bit too. But no, I think stylistically, the way Alabama may be inclined to play more this season, yeah, I mean, you got to think that helps. You know, to, 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 again, shorten games, get you out of places, and... You know, when you do have a lead, you need to play four-minute football, four-minute offense. Um, you know, being able to do that, uh, I, I, I think, I think that certainly goes hand in hand. I hope so. Well, thanks, thanks for doing what you guys do. You know, you, you make a difference in the world. I'm up here in Boston, and I, I listen to every one of your shows, and if I miss it, I listen to the podcast. 
just wanted wow. to say thank you and and uh, thanks thanks for doing the best sixty minutes of sports has ever been. Well, we appreciate that, Tom. I know Pops appreciates it too. You know, I took Pops up to Boston a few years back, and uh, we uh, we did the we did the cask and flagon. We did Fenway. Even took Pops on a whale watching tour up there nice. off the coast. There, how about that? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot right. to do. Well, well thank you, do. sir. All right, thanks, Tom. Take care of yourself. Talk Enjoy you the soon. football weekend. There he goes. Tom up in Boston, checking in. We appreciate the kind words. Yeah, uh, he mentioned Rusty, too. Tom did. He likes Rusty. And Rusty, as we said earlier, he's got some home underdogs in the Southeastern Conference to choose from this week. Some big dogs. I mean, you got Ole Miss getting 14 and a half. Yeah. Is that one growl or two growls, Rusty? Is that a one growl or two growl? That sounds like a two growl. Rusty likes that one. Arkansas getting 26 at home that might be a one growl yeah just one south carolina getting three and a half at home against the university of tennessee one or two rusty that's a two growl yeah maybe three from rusty there he likes the gamecocks getting three and a half at home what about missouri plus 27 against the alabama crimson tide rusty one or two growls there None. Ah, Rusty doesn't like Missouri at all in that one, apparently. So there you go. There's some Rusty uh, with his home underdogs in the Southeastern Conference that could have some very sharp teeth. Hey, you know what we got coming up later this afternoon? A little bonus pro golf on the cable. You're not going to have the Ryder Cup this year because of the COVID. It's been postponed to 2021. But what you are going to have is an exhibition match out in Missouri. The Paynes Valley Cup today on Golf Channel, starting at 2 Central. A little uh, two-man teams there. You're going to have Tiger Woods and Justin Thomas together against Rory McIlroy and Justin Rose. That should be fun. It's silly season golf, but it will be fun. You're going to have that coming up at 2 o'clock this afternoon on Golf Channel. That's going to do it for a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried sports thanks to brent beard thanks to joe and the crew for producing the program the lunch whistle on this tuesday you know what that means right thai chicken tuesday at heat pizza bar downtown tuscaloosa at government plaza so many great pies to choose from at heat pizza bar but i will say the thai chicken in my opinion as good as any pizza you will ever put in your mouth and today tonight starting at six o'clock you can get the Thai chicken pizza at Heat Pizza Bar for just seven bucks. You can't beat that. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.